Hello. Today, I'm honored to be joined by Dr. Ryan Jackman, board-certified family medicine and addiction medicine physician who practices in Grand Junction, Colorado. Dr. Jackman is the medical director of St. Mary's Integrated Addiction Medicine Clinic and the project director for HRSA-funded Rural Communities Opioid Response Program serving Western Colorado. Dr. Jackman will be talking to us about substance use disorders in rural America. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Jackman. Well, thanks so much for having me. I'm honored. Thank you. So what's it like to work in addiction medicine in a rural area? Well, that's a great question. I would say that, first off, Grand Junction, Colorado is not a rural city. It is probably the largest city in western Colorado, but it's the city into which all of the referrals from outside rural areas come. So that's for all conditions, medical, psychiatric, and addiction being one of those. And we take in a pretty large catchment area, southern Wyoming, eastern Utah, uh, even northern New Mexico. And so I've been able to work with many different communities in a rural setting and see the different barriers that patients face in seeking treatment for addiction as, as well as mental health in general. And so it's a difficult thing for many patients for many different reasons. But I guess the other thing I would say is that one rural location is just that, one rural location. They all have their own barriers to care. And so when we talk about rural addiction medicine today, I think it's important that we point out that when we talk about one area, that's all we're doing is talking about one area because each community is going to be very different. And if we talk about where I practice in in Western Colorado compared to rural areas uh, in the off-studied West Virginia, Kentucky, Virginia, Tennessee region, they're going to be very different in what we've seen and the barriers that our patients are facing. So I think this is the reason that HRSA has devoted over $500 million to rural health and over 300 million of that funding in 2020 was committed to community-based programs because they understand that it's the communities themselves that are going to figure out how to address those barriers that they face. And, and they are different than the barriers others face. And that's where this core grant or this Rural Communities Opioid Response Program has been really exciting work is because we're able to talk about what we're doing with other communities around the United States and see what's working for them and how we might share and implement different programs that can be helpful across the nation. That makes sense. So how does the prevalence of substance use disorders and overdose deaths generally compare among rural, suburban, and urban areas? And how have these numbers changed in the past two decades? Well, we have that very well documented. And the CDC has been looking at that and have shown, and they've, they've released briefs and reports. I think the most recent report that they have released is really looking up to 2019. And so we know that the pattern between the two has differed. And in the early 2000s up through 2017, rural counties were leading the way in overdoses. And that was mainly because of prescription opioids. And when I say prescription opioids, we're talking about naturally occurring opioids like morphine or semi-synthetic opioids like oxycodone that you can get at the pharmacy. During that same time, urban areas were leading in the categories of overdose deaths that were caused by heroin. So overdose deaths were occurring in both. It was just what was causing it. 
But when we come up to this 2019 point, there's really no difference in overdoses due to these two types of different opioids between rural and urban areas. They've really starting to see the same thing. We do know that there was a separation in regards to fentanyl, though, and we really started to see that come on the scene in the past decade, but maybe the past five to seven years. And when fentanyl came onto the scene, there was a precipitous increase in overdose rates in both rural and urban, but urban definitely was leading the way in regards to overdoses. But we don't have a lot of data right now in regards to separation of urban and rural in the past couple of years. And so we're always delayed a couple of years, but we seem to to be heading in the same direction, much like they were back in that 2017 to 2019 point where we were really coming together, whether you were in a rural or urban area at the rates of overdose. Hmm. So what effect has the opioid crisis had in rural communities? Well, I would say this is probably where the prior comment I had made really comes into effect. Because if we're talking about the Rust Belt or West Virginia, these are areas that we have seen on the news and we've seen the devastating effects that overdoses have had on these communities. And and that got a lot of attention in the late 90s and early 2000s and as we started to talk about this being an epidemic. But If we're talking about my neck of the woods in Western Colorado, are we seeing deaths? Yes, we are. Is fentanyl a problem? Yes, it is. But it's an emerging problem where it's definitely been an established problem in some of these other rural communities. So I would say you can't treat all of rural America the same in regards to these statistics. But what we can say is that overdoses are increasing in both and they are having drastic effects on these communities, because when you're talking about a community that has less than 20,000 people in a, in a large area, when you're having large numbers of deaths, that impacts the community. They feel that if they understand what's going on, this definitely affects everything from families to workforce. And it may be felt a little bit sooner than in some of the larger areas where you're, you're talking about very large communities of over 100,000 people. So it has had a drastic effect. I would say that the other aspect of that that speaks to your prior question about overdoses is the pattern that we're seeing right now in the country in regards to overdoses is the fentanyl, as far as opioids go, is causing the vast majority of overdoses. But this has also been combined with stimulants, and that may be methamphetamine, or cocaine, depending on where you live. But methamphetamine is a major substance of use in rural America. And so where we're talking about this being an uptick in our urban communities of return to use of some of these stimulants, those stimulants really never left rural America. Hmm. And so one of the biggest things that I run into is that we are seeing people who were using stimulants all along who are now being exposed to fentanyl because they were already using stimulants in a certain way, particularly methamphetamine. They were kind of primed to experience an increase in overdose because methamphetamine is becoming more potent, it's becoming cheaper. And when you combine that with fentanyl as it comes into these communities where we were already using methamphetamine, it's really primed the pump for an increase in overdoses, which is one of the reasons that I think we're starting to see these lines of overdose rates start to 
come back together, whether you're talking rural or urban. And what major factors would you say have contributed to the rise of substance use disorders in rural America? Well, we know from the stories that you hear coming out of some of those regions uh, like Virginia, Kentucky, Ohio, that there were a lot of occupations that had to do with the industries that were there that had high risk of injury. And we know that there was a lot of discussion of how doctors were prescribing these medications in the past decades. And so overprescribing combined with high risk of injury and pain, and then you layer that with the economic hardship that some of these areas were hit by. And opioids were kind of the perfect treatment for all of those things that led to addiction, overuse, and overdose. Because opioids don't distinguish which pain they treat. They treat physical and emotional pain, Mm -hmm. which is why people who are at higher risk and predisposition for developing addiction do. But if you are looking at the West or Midwest, where the industries are different, it's kind of interesting. We have oil and gas industry out here in the West, people going to work on rigs for long periods of time, definitely high risk of injury. But we didn't see the same rate of opioid use, overdose, and addiction at the same time that we saw it happen in in the eastern United States. And so why is that? Well, I don't know exactly, but my guess is that there were a couple things at play. One, there weren't as many opioids present in some of these rural communities. They're definitely there. They were beginning to show up. But in the late 90s, when some of these economic hardships took place, there weren't as many doctors prescribing as many opioids. And I think part of that had to do with the sheer distance that you find in the Western United States and rural areas. It's harder to get to the rural areas of the Western United States than it is sometimes to get to the rural areas of the Eastern United States just by the number of miles that have to be traveled. So we hear the story of how pharmaceutical reps were talking about things like OxyContin. It was a lot harder to get into some of these other communities in the Western United States to get that information. And so I think that the timeline is really important as to why we didn't see the same number of overdoses occurring in in the rural United States. But then they were happening. So why, why then is it different? I think part of it has to do with the discussion we were having earlier about methamphetamine. It's always been the illicit substance of choice in some of these rural communities in the Western United States. That's particularly what I've seen are blue collar, heavy labor industries and oil and gas. When you're working three weeks on, one week off, and you're working those long hours on a rig, you need energy, focus, and and methamphetamine was a drug of choice, maybe more so than opioids. So the other part being alcohol's a big issue across the country, but that was kind of the depressant of choice here. So opioids were a little bit later to the game here. And so I think that's one of the reasons that you see different contributing factors as to the overdose causes. And I think we've caught up. By no means does that necessarily hold true now, but it's now very prevalent everywhere. But I think that's one of the reasons I would theorize that we see differences in the rates across the United States at that time. Thanks. So what unique challenges do rural communities face in addressing substance use disorders? Well, I think one of the major things that occurs is that when you're in a rural setting, people know people. And addiction has unfortunately always been a disease 
that also has to compete with stigma that people have around addiction. And so if you're in a rural region where people know your family, you may not want to be the pariah of the community and you may not seek treatment. The other part being, what treatment are you going to seek and is it available in your community? One of the strengths of these communities is that they've begun to have more open conversations about addiction and addiction as a disease. And they are being able to use their strengths as small communities and tight-knit communities to get people into treatment. But the stigma has been one of the greatest barriers, I would say, to treatment. And then here in the Western United States, I was alluding to earlier, the distance you have to travel. If you have to travel a couple hundred miles to see a specialist like myself in Grand Junction, then it becomes much more difficult. Thankfully, because of the advent and increased use of telemedicine, this is becoming less of a barrier. But when you're isolated and there's a lot of stigma around this disease, it can be pretty hard to seek treatment or to even admit that there is a problem. Yeah. And building on that, what do you think could be done to improve prevention and treatment of addiction in rural communities? Well, I think you have to capitalize on the strengths that you have, right? If you're talking in urban areas, the strengths are generally a a plethora of resources and experts and colleges and universities and other things like that where you can get increased access. And in rural communities, that, that may not be your strength. So really what rural communities have to rely on is what they've always relied on, their ability to get things done when they don't have all the resources and to find ways. And there is definitely a can-do attitude in many of our rural communities that if you can really tap into, we've seen a lot of success. This is definitely one of the things that we do through our our core program is identify the strengths of a community, find those people who are passionate about this. And oftentimes these are individuals who have been affected by substance use or medical personnel who have taken care of individuals with substance use, you get them the education and you make them the experts or the people that are carrying the banner, if you will. And they're able to integrate that knowledge into the community because they're the individuals that are trusted. If you bring in a big wig, hotshot, smart, know-it-all doctor from outside of these rural communities, they aren't always accepted or trusted because they're an outsider. So getting that information into the community, integrating it into primary care, for example, can be a good way to do it, who know the patients, know their patients' lives very well, have been taking care of the family for a long time. If you can get that education out there and that information, that's the first step. And then I think it's allowing those grassroots efforts to determine the path that their community needs, whether that's a doctor who's going to take on prescribing medication-assisted treatment or medication for opioid use disorder, or if that is developing a connection with a treatment center that is closer by that can create a satellite uh, resource for therapy, uh, that can be really helpful. And I think on the flip side, to combat the stigma, one of the options is to provide people with access to therapists or treatment via telemedicine that is not a part of their community that they don't have to tell anyone about. And then no one has to know. But at the end of it, I think uh, the anonymous approach to addiction treatment can only go so far. At some point, being able to shed that shame, that stigma, and 
be able to talk about that in your community and have the community accept that can be really powerful. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, Just stepping back for a second, how has the COVID-19 pandemic impacted these communities? Oh, COVID, everyone's favorite topic. (laughs) (laughs) How hasn't it affected it? I mean, as a general rule, COVID-19 has resulted in an increase in isolation wherever you live, an increase in amount of stress, uh, which then results in an increase in mental health disorders. And that results in an increased risk for use of substances and potentially an increased demand on recovery resources. That's definitely what we've seen in my neck of the woods is just an increased demand for therapy services. So if you are an individual that's living with a substance use disorder and you are now wanting to seek treatment, now's the time you've decided to do that. Everyone else is seeking treatment in some form or for mental health may not be substance use related. There's now a decreased availability of these resources and in small communities and rural settings where that's already something that is hard to come by, this becomes more difficult. So what we've seen is an, is a decrease ability to get access when you want it. And this is definitely not unique to rural communities. I think everyone's dealing with this. Like I mentioned before, telemedicine has been helpful, but then you overlay this with the fact that COVID-19 occurred at the same time that fentanyl was really spreading into some of these communities. And that has resulted in an increased number of overdoses and deaths in our rural regions. So people are talking about it more. People are are seeking solutions more. And I, I guess one of the things that rural communities have going for them in the midst of COVID-19 is we got a lot of space <laughs> and not a lot of people sitting on top of each other. Social distancing can be a little easier. And so some of these communities are, are seeing that they're coming out of quarantine and isolation requirements and just the isolation in general is easing a little bit more in these communities. They're coming back together, which is, I think, very helpful. But the damage has definitely been done and is continuing to occur. So the limited resources, I think, is, is where we're feeling the pinch the most. Yeah. And finally, is there anything else you'd like to add? I think... What I would add is that whether you're dealing with addiction in an urban setting or you're dealing with it in a rural setting, addiction is addiction. And it's very much like any other medical condition or disease, and it needs to be treated as such. And I think the best thing that we can do is exactly what you're doing here and getting the word out about what addiction is and how we can help it and that it's not something that we need to hide or not discuss or make people feel guilty about or feel weak about, which is definitely something that some of these blue collar small towns have to deal with. And so the more that we can share that message, that this is a treatable condition and that there are many ways to treat it, the more people we can help and the less we can cause people to feel guilt about having a medical condition. Thank you so much for saying that. Well, I just want to thank you again, Dr. Jackman, for this wonderful overview of the challenges faced by rural communities struggling with addiction. And I'd love to have you back to talk more about the subject in the future. Thank you. 